The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, reading out of the New American Standard Bible, verse number 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, everybody say make disciples, of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things or all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You may be seated. We're talking about Discipleship 101. Uh, when you're <laughs> in college or enrolled in some kind of university, uh, the very basic class is 101. Uh, remedial math is 101, that's the number. But we're going back to the root of things, understanding some things about the basics. It's hard to understand, uh, it's hard to understand calculus if you forgot how to count. And when you fail in calculus, it may not be that you failed in calculus because you don't know the principles of calculus, but what makes you effective in the principles of calculus is being able to do simple math. And so what we're going back to is the idea of simple math. What is discipleship? Uh, let me just say, first of all, there is a difference between discipleship and evangelism. They are not the same, okay? Uh, let's give some definitions to start us all out. First of all, a disciple, if you're taking notes, and I, I hope you are and that you would, a disciple is simply a learner, a learner or a follower or a pupil or an intern, if we were using modern terminology, uh, contemporary language, a follower, a learner, uh, someone who studies and understudy, that's what a disciple is, okay? What is a disciple? Fundamentally, it's a learner or a what? Follower or a student, okay? A disciple is a what? Learner or a what? Follower or a what? A disciple is not a church attender, okay? Not a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ is not someone who attends church. A disciple is a learner or a student or a follower of Christ. How many of you know that you can attend church and not follow Christ? Are you understanding this? Now, am I putting down attending church? No. Great. Show up at church. Show up at worship. Good. Be a, a disciple does worship, but not all worshipers are disciples. Because a disciple is a learner, a follower, or a student of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Now, when we look at this text, Jesus had just gotten up out of the grave. And verse 16 says he goes to his disciples. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, but the 11 disciples, right? The 11 disciples, why are there 11 at this point? Because one of them betrayed him, hung himself. I mean, his, you know, the Bible says his bow bust asunder. I mean, he got up, you know, threw the rope over the tree, you know, put the noose around his neck, you know, just let go of the branch. It was just a mess. You should have been there. It was just terrible. But now there are 11. There are 11 learners, 11 followers, his 11 students. The Bible says... They proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came up and said, all power is given to me, watch verse 19, pay attention, go therefore and baptize people. See, you got to be in your word right now. Go and make disciples. Evangelism is the going and the baptizing and telling people the gospel. The problem is, in our culture, particularly in this fellowship, is we have pushed evangelism and ignored discipleship. When you push evangelism and ignore discipleship, 
you end up with a church attender who you might see for a couple of weeks, but after a while, when life hits them, when bills hit them, when trials hit them, when tribulations hit them, when they go back to the reality of their life context, you don't see them anymore because they, watch this, we evangelized them, but we did not disciple them. Jesus says, don't just go baptize, make disciples. And then you baptize the disciples. Okay? Who, so, so what is a disciple? So you're speaking in tongues. I get it. I get it. A disciple is a follower, a learner. Or a student, okay? Who are we to baptize? Those who are following, learning, or being a student. Those who are willing to follow, to learn, and to be a student. Discipleship starts when you decide that you want to follow Jesus. The problem is, if you baptize somebody who doesn't want to follow Jesus, you give them a jersey to a team they don't want to be on. This leads to a, to, to a thousand people on the road and 200 people showing up. Say amen if you understand. So back to this text, he says, go and make disciples. Jesus is not interested in fans. He's not interested in people who are trendy because Jesus is trendy. Religion is trendy. Being saved is trendy. It's trendy to say God is good all the time and all the time God is good. That's not what Jesus is looking for. He says, make disciples, people who will be followers of me, people who will learn of me, people who will place themselves under my teaching, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So who are we to baptize? We're to baptize people who want to follow Jesus. People who want to be disciples, people who are willing by faith to follow Jesus, who have begun that process. Now, we understand this in every other context but the church, right? You don't baptize somebody so that they can follow Jesus. Just like you don't marry somebody so that they can fall in love with you. Oh, maybe, did that go over people's heads? Let me, let me help you understand that. Somebody come to you and say, you know what? Let's get married. Because I'm sure once we get married, you're going to love me. What's wrong with that picture? You put the cart before the horse. The first thing that has to be there is someone who believes on the Lord and is willing to follow. This is what disciples are, people who follow. And this is what we're, who are we, we're to baptize, people who follow, okay? Somebody said, well, I want something for my life. Let me tell you something. We want all kinds of teaching. We want all the benefits, but we don't want the commitment. The church of today want the benefit of following Jesus, but not the commitment of it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And what the text is telling and introducing to us is the idea of discipleship, okay? Now take this down. Everybody go to Luke 14, 25. And I want to teach today. We'll preach and holler and shout and do all of that, but be educated. Be educated, okay? This is the stuff that's supposed to carry you uh, and be with you when you leave here, okay? And, and I'm really concerned that churches are becoming play, uh, uh, equivalent to movie experiences. Who thinks about the movie after, you, after you've seen it? Who thinks about the theater after you've seen the movie? Nobody. You, you go there, you have that experience, it was good, and you move on. This is not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to discipleship and to make disciples, to reproduce followers of Jesus. Look at, uh, look at Luke chapter 14. We're going to begin reading with verse number 25. The praise leader sung a song today called Jesus Paid It All. You remember that? How many of you know salvation is free? It's completely free. 
didn't cost you anything. You know what it cost Jesus? Dying on the cross, being nailed, and his hands being nailed in his feet. They spit on him. They slapped him. They mocked him. And we say, oh, that's terrible. And we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He paid it all. He certainly did. Salvation is free, but following Jesus costs everything. So, being a disciple is not free. Turn to somebody and say, being a follower of Christ is not free. The only way it's free is if you redefine what a follower is. The world has redefined it, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment before we close, but the world has redefined it. Look at what Jesus says in, the Bible, in, in Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse number 25. Where are my readers? Now large crowds were gathering or were going along with him, mm -hmm. and he turned and said to them. He said what? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father. First of all, they're large crowds. They're large crowds. The fattest thing is having big churches, large numbers, having all the seats filled. That's the big, that's the trendy thing, right? What church you go to? I go to that church over there. Oh, man, there are a lot of people. Cars on the parking lot, multitudes of people. That did not impress Jesus. That did not impress Jesus. And if we're not careful, that will be our ambition. That is not the ambition. That is not what we're going after because that's not what Jesus is going after. Watch what he does. The Bible says there were large crowds around him, and what does he do? He turned to them and said to them. And said what? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother. If anybody who comes to me does not hate or means to love less his father, his mother, read. And wife and children. Wife and children. And brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Yes, and even his own life. Even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. So watch this. The first point we need to understand about discipleship is discipleship will challenge your value system. If you're taking notes, write that down. True discipleship will challenge your value system will challenge your ideology, will challenge the things that you deem as important, okay? If you have an encounter of, with Jesus and you're a disciple of Jesus, then something changes in your priority system. Your value system changes. The first part of the value system that discipleship challenges in this text is the discipleship or the demands for it challenges your relational value system, okay? All of us have relationships with different people and, and uh, we're tied to different people and every relationship doesn't have the same value. If you're honest in here, you know every relationship doesn't have the same value. And you make sacrifices and commitments based upon the value of those relationships. There's a difference between somebody you see once a week saying, give me a call, and somebody you live with every day and somebody you, that you're related to saying, give me a call. Give me a call means something totally different from between, uh, between someone who you barely talk to to someone who you have a life invested with. Give me a call is different. You respond to everything in your relationships based upon your value of them. And if you really want to see the value that somebody has of you, look at their commitment. Because people are committed to what they value. In their relationships, you are committed to what you value. Dating brother, dating sister, I don't care how long you've been dating. If, watch this, if somebody else is first, you are not the first primary valued relationship, period. I know that's a hard reality. If his mom is coughing and you fell flat on your face and his mom, while you're flat on your face, says, <coughs> come here a second, and he goes to his mom while your face is bleeding and you're laid out on the floor, he values this relationship more than that. No? I don't want to get it. Let me help you get it. We are committed to the relationships we value. Don't get mad when somebody you just met doesn't call you every day. You are not primary in their relationship. 
But Jesus and discipleship says that if you're going to follow me, I have to be the most valuable relationship that you have. Okay? That's what it means. Now, let me talk to your hearts now. Because uh, that doesn't, Jesus is not talking about your relationship with church. Okay? I want to I help you understand that. Because you can have a good relationship with church and a terrible relationship with Jesus. You could put church first and Jesus fourth. Because church is a system, it's a social system, right? This place, it's a social system. And the reason why I know this is possible, because there are people that come here and spend more time socializing with each other than worshiping. I mean, if this place automatically meant Jesus, then coming here should engulf you with worshiping Jesus. But you can come here and spend your whole time talking about beans and potatoes with somebody you see when you come here and this place not represent your relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my follower, if it ever comes down between choosing values of somebody else and my values and there's a conflict, if you are following me, you go with my values over theirs. Does this make sense? I can make it really simple for you. Such and such wants to get together. Yeah, you know, let's turn up. What are we going to do? Man, I'm just, I'm stressed out. I want to just, you know, I just want to turn up. I want to, man, really, I'm just, I want to get, I want to get lit. I want to get drunk. Right there, you're at a crossroads. Because there's a value system to following Christ that contradicts that. You have a decision to make. If you value your relationship with Jesus more, then you, watch this, the conflict is not you and the person. The conflict is the value system of Jesus and the value system of the person. Because you value your relationship with Jesus, you have to break with the person over breaking with Jesus. We compromise our value relationship with Jesus whenever we put another relationship before him. Does this make sense? Somebody said, I'm looking for something deep. I'm tired of giving deep things to people who sometimes, to people, and I'm talking about even myself, I have to stop looking at the deep stuff because you stop doing the simple stuff looking for the deep stuff. I want something I never heard before. That's the problem. Until you master the simple things Jesus did, you're ready to hear it, but you're not ready to receive the deep things. Are you understanding this? We're talking about, what's the word? Discipleship. So he challenges your relationship value, okay? Your relational values. This means that if I have to choose between you and Jesus... If I'm a disciple, I'm going to choose Jesus. Not only that, but he challenges, your, <laughs> he challenges your tangible values. Everybody go to, uh, go, to, go to Luke chapter 18. Everybody look at that. Luke 18. And, I'm, you know, I'm proud of our young people. You know I see you. You know I can see. Like these lights are not bright blinding so I can see you so young people keep it up so you young people are following along I see some of you taking notes and then some of you had a long night last night <laughs> Luke chapter 18 begin with verse 18 what does the Bible say and Paul after this tarried there yet a good while Luke Luke, Luke 8 18, Luke 18, verse number 18. I want everybody to read this. Mm -hmm. Verses 18. And a certain ruler. Watch this. So Jesus in his ministry, four chapters later, comes to a rich man. There's a rich man that comes and confronts Jesus. Read. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, uh -huh. Good master. Master. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? What should I do to inherit eternal life? Read. 
And Jesus said unto him, Jesus said what? Why callest thou me good? Why are you calling me good? Let's get past all of that good stuff. There's only one good, one person good. That's good. It, you know, Jesus is not one that fell for flattery. <laughs> like some of us do. The only thing some people have to do to get anything out of us is flatter us a couple of times. You know? You're so smart. You know? oh, you're very intelligent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let me hold five. But uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus here is not interested in being flattered. I, I need you to see the attitude of the one who we serve, right? He was not into big crowds. Even though big crowds followed him, that wasn't his objective, and he was not into being flattered. He was not into his ego, even though he was God the Son. He was not into his ego being fluffed. Okay? Why are you calling me good? There's none good but God. Read. None is good, save one. Read. That is God. Uh -huh. Thou knowest the commandments. Uh-huh. Do not commit adultery. He says this is what you have to do. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not kill. Do not steal. Don't steal. Read. Do not bear a false witness. Don't bear false. He starts going through the Ten Commandments. What do I have to do for eternal life? You have to not commit adultery, not steal, not kill. Don't bear false witness. Read. Honor thy father and thy Honor mother. Honor your father and mother. Read. And he said. He said what? All these have I kept. I'm in there. Up. I'm in there. I've done all of these things since I was a little boy. I've, I've, I'm in there. Eternal life is mine. Look what Jesus says. Now when Jesus heard these things, uh -huh. he said unto him, He said what? Yet lackest thou one There's thing. There's one little thing that you're lacking in. One thing. Oh, I failed to mention this. One little thing. Yeah, you kept the commandments, but one little thing. What is that? Read. Sell all. Sell everything you have. Thou hast. Uh-huh. And distribute unto the poor. Give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. You'll have treasures in heaven. And come. And come and do follow what? Follow me. And do what? Follow me. What is a disciple? A follower. You be my disciple once you sell all that you have and give to the poor. Now, what's Jesus? Is Jesus asking us to do that? No, 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 no. What Jesus is doing now is he's pinpointing the thing that he has that actually has him. Because what will keep you from following Jesus is not what you have, but what has you. Y'all see that? And what he's doing, going after is he says, okay, yeah, you kept the commandments, the things that you, you didn't commit adultery, you honored your mother and your father, you didn't bear false witness, yeah, you did all of that. But if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to part ways with the tangible value things that you value or whatever you value that, will, that, that you can possibly replace Jesus with. And until you're able to do that, you cannot be a disciple. Mm -hmm. Now, how crucial is this? I'm going to tell you how important this is. Today, Christianity is a category. That's what it is. You say, what are you, Muslim, Buddhist? What do you say? I'm what? Somebody said, I'm Church of Christ. <laughs> well, and that denominationalizes the church when you call out the, the title or the designation of the church. But we say, I'm Christian. Right? That's the category. But do you know what group of people were called Christians? Go to Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm not looking for it, amen. I want you to get this in your spirit. Please, get this in your spirit. Be educated. We're talking about what? What's the word? Discipleship. discipleship. And some of you were baptized, but you haven't become disciples. I'm sorry to say it. There are a lot of baptized people that aren't disciples. You were evangelized, but you weren't discipled. And so you're having a hard time right now because uh, you follow church, but you don't follow Jesus. Or, because here's the problem. If you're not following and pursuing a relationship with Jesus, church gets old. It gets old quick. As a matter of fact, it gets older quicker for some people than it does for others. All that has to happen is the wrong pe person not speak to you. 
I'm going to show you how sensitive we are when it comes to the things of God. There are people that don't speak to you on your job. You don't leave your job. There are people, we get offended in every venue that exists that way. We get offended at Walmart. We get offended. We get offended talking to our cell phone carrier. We get offended with the bill collector. We get offended with the water company. We get offended at the schoolhouse. We get offended even when we go, uh, even when we go over family and friends' house. But only when it comes to this place does our offense become something that compromises our walk with God. Let me tell you something. If you are a church goer, you will not have the stamina to keep following Jesus. You won't. Somebody will do something that you looked up to that will disappoint you. Somebody will let you down. And you'll walk, on, you'll walk away pronouncing what we thought they said they were. You're supposed to be. Well, watch Acts chapter 11, verse number 26. Now, I, I, I tried to stay at the pulpit, but I want to walk and talk and look you in the eyeball and connect with you as real people, right? Acts chapter 11, verse 26, what does it say? And when he had found him. When he had found him. He brought him to Antioch. He brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church. They met with the church. And taught considerable num numbers. Watch this. And the disciples were first called whoa, Christians. Whoa, whoa, who were called Christians? The disciples. The church attenders. The disciples. People that went to church, people that had religious grandma. The disciples. People who big mama used to bring them to church every Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Do you see how important this is? And only you can evaluate your own heart. But discipleship is not a program. It's not attending church. As a matter of fact, the ones who were called Christians were the ones who were following Jesus. This was not a category. It was a, actually a defamation. Now, if the people that were there who called the disciples Christians there, if they teleported to this day and time, would they, in a defaming way, call you a Christian if they followed you for a week? Because what we tend to do is come here on Sunday to determine who Christians are. But Christianity is based on those who originally were called Christians, and the ones who were originally called Christians were not people who just went to church. They were people that gave up every, that were willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ. That means if it, if it came down to their very life, they were willing to give it up. Now, I want you to see how vast the difference is. You had people in the Bible that you love so much who were disciples, followers of Christ, who made Jesus and bumped every other relationship down. They, they were willing to die for Jesus, right? They learned about Jesus. They, 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 they engulfed themselves with being educated about what Jesus taught. And when the time came, they were actually crucified some of them hung upside down. Some of them put in arenas with hungry lions, had feathers tarred to them as the lions ripped them apart. These people were willing to leave family behind. As a matter of fact, that's what Acts 2 is about. They left their family. They couldn't go back home, so the church ended up in Jerusalem because they were going back to Judaism, and they were no longer Judaizers. They were disciples of Christ in Acts chapter 2. They did all of this sacrifice. Then fast forward to 2019 and look at how those who are disciples today complain about somebody talking about me. That sermon was just entirely too long. It sounds funny. But if you were to drag those people to 2019 and give them the tour of today's rendition of disciples, they would be in tears. 
we have taken a Neiman Marcus discipleship and turned it into a consignment shop, thrift store type thing that has no demand. No demand. Meaning today's Christianity discipleship costs nothing. You can be the way you were and still call yourself a follower of Jesus. Categorically, you cannot change a thing in your life. But Jesus himself, with the masses behind him, said that if you're not willing to put me first, if you want and not willing to go to the cross, if you're not willing to do this, that, and the other, if you're not willing to deny yourself, you cannot be my disciples. We invite people to be disciples and say people are disciples that Jesus wouldn't even call his followers. So what do we do about it? How do we change it? Number one, we change it by raising our commitment. Write that down. Raise your commitment to God. Turn to somebody and say, raise your commitment to God. Okay, that's what you do first. Now, how does that look practically? Okay, coming to church is the byproduct of that, right? That's, that's the result of that. That's not the first thing of that. That's the result of that. Raising your commitment to God means that you spend more time, one, in real practical sense, talking and hearing from God. I think it's quite funny if the only time you open your Bible is on Sunday and you complain that that's too much, then that's a sad situation. I mean, really, if the only time you hear from God is one day a week, and then if it's too much he has to say, you're ready to go, then what does that speak? That speaks volumes, which means you can stand to raise your commitment. Are you understanding this? Okay, what does that mean, talking to God? That means talk to God in between times and in the meantime and all the time. Talk to him on your car. Sometimes don't turn off the music. Turn off the music. I mean, turn Google Play off or whatever it is, Apple Radio, whatever you got. Turn it off and start talking to God. Well, Brother Preacher, I don't know how to talk to God. I, 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 I don't know how to pray. That's because you, you're thinking of Sunday morning. You're thinking Sunday morning. You see, you see how we put and stuff everything into one context of one day of the week? You're thinking... To the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord, be with us as we leave this place. Be with thou, Lord. If thou remove your hand from us, whither shall we go? Lord, we thank you. Keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. So you pick up these terms and you think that's how you pray. Let me tell you something. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. This is Discipleship 101. Stop playing with God. Talk to him. He already knows what's in your head. You might as well say it out of your mouth. Talk to him. Why, 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 why are we playing with a God who already knows what's there? If he already knows what's there, you're on your way to work. There's a person that works in the cubicle next to you that you can't stand. Say, God, I can't stand Sheila. I can't stand Henry. I can't stand Mike. I can't stand whoever, Becky with the good hair, whatever. I can't stand her. I need you to help me. I don't know why I can't stand her. She just makes me sick. She irritates me. Lord, I need your help. Because guess what? If you go to God saying, Lord, you are righteous, you are holy, I give you all praise, glory, and honor. God is saying, no, I hear what your mouth is saying, but I'm reading what your heart is saying, and what you're saying with your mouth doesn't coincide with what's in your heart. Learn to talk to God. Stop being all fancy. Make time for God like you make time for other things and other people. Hello? Some of us call back our numbers. All it takes is for us to get a text. We text back. How many of you did people to get a text? Oh, let me text. Sometimes you text in the middle of a conversation with some, a real person. Hold on. You, I dare you every now and then in the conversation with a real person say, hold on, and go pray. Hold on one second. Okay, what were you saying? That'll save ourselves cussing a lot of people out. 
Uh, y'all wasn't ready for this. Y'all wasn't ready for this. Y'all just want me to give you all of the theological aspects of it. But that'll save you cussing a lot of people out. That'll save you saying things you wish you never said. And right now, in this age of social media, in this age of technology, the phone is a divergent when we don't want to talk to people. I said this on Wednesday night. They even have an app now where you can schedule a fake call to yourself. Yeah, somebody was telling me about it. But you can schedule a fake call to yourself. So if I know I'm going to talk to you, I can schedule a fake call to myself in a minute and a half. And while we're talking, my phone will ring. There will be somebody on the screen, and I'll have to break that conversation. Because we're in an age where people don't want to engage people. I get it. I get it. We're in that age. And on Wednesday night, they were like, well, what's that app? Pray for the Wednesday night Bible class. <laughs> I bet you wanted to know too. Look, he's like, tell me later. <laughs> tell me later. Tell me later, dog. Tell me. Tell me later, dog. But you, com you increase your commitment by not only talking to him, but taking time to hear from God. Right? Do you not know? And, so, and some of you practice this. I'm not, I'm not talking to those of you who practice this, but I think everybody can use to raise your commitment to God. Talk to God and hear from God. You've been praying about something. You've been praying about a job. Don't you know God will put the answer in, 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 his, in the word from the Lord? He'll put an answer in the word from the Lord. And guess what? You will reap some, some tangible blessings Hearing a word from God. But that's not the goal. The goal is that you're raising your relationship with God. Amen. Does this make sense? So you raise your, com your commitment. Raise your commitment. Now, when it comes to the things of God, raise your commitment. There are certain things that are not an option for you. You know, when people say, well, I just, I'm just too busy, I can't do anything, this and that and the other. You know, you, you, you wonder, are you too busy to shower in the morning? What's that? Oh, no, no, I shower every day. There are some things we are committed to doing every day. So don't say you can't be committed. Okay? I used to say, well, people can't. I stopped believing that lie. We do. Real talk. We do whatever we want to do. And sometimes what we want to do isn't the right thing. But we will do it. I mean, the angels in heaven, when we want to, even, we're, some, just look how much we are committed to some of the wrong we do. I'm not talking to anybody in here? Okay, just so that no one, uh, no one is sold out, think about how committed to the wrong you used to do. Okay, we'll make it flowery. Okay. When you wanted to get high, you found the dope guy. No, 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 no. The one that you called didn't answer. So you said, I got to get my, you see some of y'all don't, y'all are like, ooh, what is that? Those people, don't, don't shake my hand today, please. I have allergies to fakeness, sorry. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying everybody had this experience, but you know somebody in your family. When you wanted to get drunk, when you wanted to get buzzed, when you wanted to get lit, if the liquor store you went to wasn't open, you'd cruise the avenue. You'd call your neighbor. Man, if it got bad enough, you'd drink rubbing alcohol. No, 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 real talk, real talk. You know why? Because we are committed to what we value and we do what we want to do. So guess what? Not being able to, not having time to, uh, you know, I couldn't. That is not an excuse because guess what? Just like God knows what we think, he knows how we are. 
So when you're raising your commitment to God, quite naturally, your commitment to other certain other things and even certain other people has to diminish. Okay. Uh, so the disciples were called what? So Christians were what? And if Christians were disciples, and the disciples were called Christians, according to the scripture, are you a Christian if you're not a disciple? Now, let me, let me say that again. If the disciples were called Christians, and we just talked about what a disciple is, a person that's committed to Christ, and you grow in discipleship, you grow in it, but it's, you're a follower of Christ, right? You're not a visitor of Christ. You follow after Christ. And if the disciples were the ones called Christians, and the Christians were the ones who were disciples, can you call yourself biblically a Christian if you're not following after Christ? That's for you to answer. I don't think it takes a whole PhD in theology for you to see what that looks like. So what does that mean I have to do? That means first, you have to re-up your commitment to the Lord. And that starts now. The decision starts now. Because we're following after Christ. We never pursue him. But one of these days, we're going to catch up to him. And we're going to be with him forever. You see that? We're following after. We're pursuing Christ. And one of these days, whether by death or by his coming, our following will be over. Our pursuit will be done. And when we see him, we will see him as he is. We will be like him and we will be with him forever. So who are candidates for baptism? Those who want to follow Jesus, those who are disciples, those who believe, who are making that journey. Do you believe in Jesus? Are you willing to follow him? I know it gets hard because we bring all of our junk with us, right? Even into our relationship with Jesus. Right? You have some appetites that are strange. Jesus don't say, wait till you get rid of your strange appetites before you follow me. He wants you to come as you are. Because on the trip, you're going to drop some things off. See, that's growth. That's called growth. And that's called discipleship. We don't want to evangelize you. We want to disciple you. That's what it's about. It's about discipling, mentoring, walking with people, not just inviting them, accompanying them. And this is an invitation to be a disciple of Christ. Maybe you're here and you heard that and uh, you realize you're a church attender but not really a disciple. You're not really all in. Well, let's pray for you. Let's pray for you. Let's pray with you. Okay, let's pray together. Maybe you're here and you want to, you know, I've been following Jesus, but I haven't been baptized. Well, you know, my, our charge is to baptize those who have been following Jesus, those who believe on Jesus. And if you believe on Jesus and you want to officialize it, you, you can do that now. Amen? Amen. Amen. You, you can do that today. You can do that right now if you so desire. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, God raised him from the dead, repenting of your sins, confessing him to be the Son of God and being baptized with him, filled with his spirit. You can have that right now. That's what the baptism thing is about. It's somebody who's been following Christ, right? It's, it's like dating people, right? You're dating, you're dating, you're dating, you're dating, then you're married, right? Then you have the wedding ceremony and all of that. You don't have the wedding ceremony so that you can date. That's backwards. 
you don't get baptized. And, and, and some of us need to do it again because we were, we, we were pressured into being baptized. And we're no more a disciple than a man is a car standing in a garage. We were pressured. We were, we were nine years old, and they told us, if you want the communion, you got to get baptized. Or maybe the motivation wasn't a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you were, maybe the preaching scared the hell out of you. Somebody said, oh, I need a meeting with that preacher. Yeah, okay, just let me leave my phone on record with you. Scared the hell that was in you out of you. Is that better? Maybe it was a sermon on hell. You said, I don't want to go to hell. And you went up there and you got baptized and been raising it ever since. Right? I get it. The cases are a myriad of cases. But then your relationship with Christ is non-existent. You, you, you don't. You're not in love with him. And I know saying that is, can be anecdotal, but being a disciple doesn't mean you don't fall. Remember, we bring everything into the relationship. If you had an addiction before you start following Jesus, right? Repentance means changing your mind, but your actions don't change as soon as you change your mind. Is there a witness in the house? I want to talk to the real person that's ever said, this is the last time I'm going to do this about anything. No? Anybody here in this middle section of people with their, they're looking real nice ever said, this is the last time I'm going to do Amen. something? Amen. Are you a Christian? Amen. Have you done it again since that first time you said? Because it's a journey. It's a growth journey. Because you can say, this is the last time I'm going to eat Oreo cookies. But until your appetite changes, you might do it again. This must be the Oreo cookie section because y'all were like, you've been talking to the preacher about me? <laughs> yeah. Everybody stand to your feet. Don't sing yet. Don't sing yet. Don't sing yet. Don't sing yet. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I know sometimes we want the lessons that talk about how to deal with problems, and we're going to deal with it. We, we have so many Sundays, but you got to show up, right? <laughs> you know, well, we dealt with that two weeks ago. I wasn't here. Okay, so this is not like a soda machine where you push a button. I want a sermon on uh, how to get past a broken relationship. No, that's not what it's like. At the end of the day, everything you hear should make us better toward God, okay? This is not about us. But, but I do want to invite you, if you're not, a, if you're not following Jesus, maybe you just want to, uh, we want all of the preachers to come forward, all of the preachers, the elders. I want ministry leaders, ministry leaders, come forward, whoever you are, ministry leaders. If you're a ministry leader, come forward. Uh, we're going to be doing things uh, kind of out of the box. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord showed that you don't have to do things the way they were done in 1982 when you grew up at Old Hickory, uh, Hickory East Side Road, South Side Church. No, we're going to do this differently. Maybe there's somebody in here and, and you just need prayer and you want a closer walk with God. Uh, everybody up here is going to act as prayer partners for you. Okay, maybe you're here and you want to come to Jesus. There's some things going on in your life and you're trying to follow Jesus, but you're trying to follow him carrying things that are holding you back. And you, you, you got this you're going through, got that you're going through. And in your mind, you can't fathom even thinking about following Jesus right now because 
You're dealing with this, that, and the other. You're going through a divorce. You're having problems in your relationship. Your job is laying off, or you haven't had a job, and it's been so long, and you haven't worked. They're about to take your car. They're about to take your house. Your kid's acting up. You get called from the school almost every other day about your kid. You got something going on with your health. The list goes on and on and on. Jesus doesn't say ignore those things. He says follow me with those things going on. So you're never facing any of those things by yourself, by yourself. It's praying time. So if you need to pray, if you want to pray, if you need prayer for whatever it is, maybe you got something, if you want to come to Jesus, come believing. And if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, you are a candidate. If you believe, if you're following Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, maybe you've been following, you've been learning, and you've been learning, you've been coming to this church. There's some of you who've been coming to this church, and you've been saying, you know what, I want to, uh, you know, I I'm going to be a part of that church. We want to invite you. We we the doors are open, okay? The doors are open, okay? Stop playing with me. You know, some of y'all playing. You know what, uh, I'm coming. Uh, I tell you what, you know, uh, that, you know, stop playing. Come on. Come on, come on. You looking, I'm looking for a church home, looking for a church home. Are you looking for a church home? Uh, are you praying about it? Uh, we'd like to have you, but, but, you know, pray about it. If you're looking for a church home, come on. If you're looking for a place to grow, come on. It's that, it's that time. We're going to sing the song. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you're saying, I don't need prayer for me. I don't need prayer for me. Not for me. Not for me. Okay, everybody, this is not for me. I need prayer, but not for me. I need prayer for a friend of mine that got a problem with a problem. You know what? Let me tell you something about me. God, God came to me in a revelation one day. came to me in a revelation. It fell upon me in the midnight hour. And he told me something about you, Alondra. Alondra, Alondra, sister. He told me, oh God, I hear you. He told me you have problems like everybody else. Wow. Yeah. Sister Smith, he told me that you sin. He told me you get, you see this? You, we get picky in church. Like a, ain't nobody going through something that somebody else hasn't went through. Amen. You ain't got your own set. He told me that was a, so it's praying time. Come on. It's time to re-up, redo your commitment to God. Let's sing if you need to come this prayer. And then after which, we'll ask Bishop Gay to do one final prayer and you can be dismissed.